0: 37. That's where we are going to springboard, and we're going to be running through the rest of Genesis. We're going to survey it. We're going to look at a few passages here. Um, you, if you've been in church for some time, you know the, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament and uh, how it's said of, uh, of him by his brothers, behold, this dreamer, and they didn't mean that as a compliment. They were, uh, they, they were resentful of him. But he did certainly have an important dream that God was showing to him, ultimately his will, God's will for his life, something very important that was going to happen, very significant that was going to happen to him. Now, Joseph, as a young man, probably at the age of 17, should not have um, shared this dream with his brothers who already resented him. But in essence, the dream foretold the time where his brothers and even his parents would bow down to him. And they certainly didn't like that. Behold this dreamer. Now before Joseph's dream could come to pass, before Joseph's dream could come true, I see as we look through Genesis that he had to pass a number of tests. And so we're going to look at that um, tonight, Passing Your Tests passing your test. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for um, allowing us to be in your house, and, and uh, God, just everything that's been accomplished already, Lord, thank you for the wonderful music, and God, you've, you've been glorified, and I trust that you have been pleased, and we've already been ministered to um, through the music, God, but I pray that you'd quiet our hearts as we look into your word, and that you give us something good for our lives, God. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've always been a dreamer, and I think all of us have been dreamers, especially as children. Any of you men willing to admit that as a child, as a young child, maybe even as a teenager, you had, like me, delusional dreams of being a professional athlete? Any men in here would admit to that? Okay, there you go. There's a few of us that thought we were going to be, you know, because we were in Pop Warner or you played soccer or basketball, you thought for sure that you were going to be a professional athlete. I had dreams of being the first Filipino in the NFL all right? We don't get very big, right? But I read that there somebody beat me to it. <laughs> I, I let go of the dream. But, uh, but somebody beat me to it. A guy played for the Tennessee um, Titans. And guess what position he, this Filipino, full-blooded Filipino played? No, not kicker. That's messed up, all right? So he said, oh of course he was a punter he's Filipino he was probably a punter right okay maybe he was a wide receiver maybe he was, he was an offensive guard brother Bill he, he was an offensive guard he was six foot four three hundred ten pounds of lechon eating lumpia eating Filipino my goodness where did how did he get so big well that was certainly one of my dreams was to be a professional football I was the uh, I was the chubby kid um, that was you know. The, You know, every once you come up, you meet a a fat guy who's still pretty fast, right? That was me growing up. I was the chubby guy that was still fast. Now I'm the chubby man who's slow, right? But there was a time where I was chubby and fast. And so I was bigger... And um, just, my body played a trick on me. So when I played Pop Warner football, um, I, I started in, in, uh, in third grade and played all the way up to junior high and then, and then played some high school football. And because I was bigger than, than most everybody my age and I was kind of fast and I was pretty nimble, um, I, was, I was pretty good in Pop Warner. And I really just thought that I could be the first Filipino in the NFL. And then all of a sudden in high school, I'm, yeah, I, I'm five foot ten in the eighth grade. I'm five foot nine and a half now. I don't know how that works, but it just went downhill that way. So I was five foot ten in the 8th grade and thought for him, this is looking good, man. I'm still big, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm not, I'm not as chubby in, anymore. I'm starting to look more like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, all right, and I'm just kidding. And, uh, um, and it, it, it's, it's, it's looking pretty realistic. And then I get into high school, and then everybody just kind of skyrockets and gets big. And all of a sudden, I'm one of the smaller guys uh, on, the, on the team. And, and, uh, and, and I had to move positions, all that. And then I, I just got realistic and knew, you know what? NFL football, it's not gonna happen. And then somewhere along the line, I switched and I went from football to drama. Yes, I know that's weird to go from being a football player, a jock to being a drama queen. That's how it it just happened that way for me. And so then I had these delusional dreams and, and, and was, I, I did pretty well in that. I competed regionally in Shakespeare recitations and things like that. And so I had these dreams of, of being on Broadway and being a, uh, being a professional actor of some, uh, of some sort and, and those, I let go of those eventually, right? And we all have dreams. Tonight, I have this dream and probably nobody cares except for me and my family and Bill that the Los Angeles Clippers will win the championship. And they, see you Laker fans, hey you Laker fans are bitter. Look at that. See look at Laker fan right there walking out. Right there. You Laker fans, he's gonna go all the way. And he's the one that reminded me that the Clippers were playing. That's what happened up there. I'm trying to get it out of my mind, trying to stay spiritual. I turned off the sports notifications on the tablet and everything so I'm gonna be spiritual, right? And then all of a sudden Pastor Sammy reminds me, hey the clippers are on tonight man why would you do that so i have this dream that the clippers will will one day win a championship it could happen it's somewhat realistic right and i have this dream that my los angeles chargers will one day win a super bowl so you guys are mean people you mean spirited people all right it's it's been decades of pain and suffering for us clippers and charger fans right? And now things are looking pretty good. And so I have these, these, these dreams of, of these, these things happening. And so all of us have had dreams, right? And then of course, as kids came along, and it's one thing I've shared with you, of course, I was far from a perfect parent, but one thing that I nailed was brainwashing my kids when it comes to sports, and so they're Charger fans and they're Clipper fans. And, uh, and you, you got to start off young. And, you know, those, those first onesie are, are Chargers, uh, you know, Chargers gear, all that stuff, right? You just start off young. And, and I, was, I was very effective in brainwashing them in that way. And so, of course, dreams of raising up Charger fans. And one of these days, we're going go to, uh, to go to a Chargers championship or at least watch it, right? And uh, so we have these, these crazy dreams. But then, of course, you had to get spiritual, right? But honestly, it was true. We had dreams of our kids loving Jesus and and serving Jesus and and then as a youth pastor as we pour our, our lives into teenagers and and it wasn't just about having fun or or, or being social uh, of course we'd start to work with teenagers as junior hires and knowing the the households they, they had come from and 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 seeing some potential or, or even seeing a bus kid who didn't know how to sit properly in church and and just having dreams that that maybe a bus kid from a uh, uh, from from the uh, the hood of upland or Ontario and that we would have to chase down some sometimes and bring them on the bus and, and drive out and pick them up on Sunday nights and then for midweek service and, and bring them to camp and get them sponsored and just have dreams for even somebody that you wouldn't think that God could use in ministry. And I'm telling you, someone like Marquise is, is a dream come true for me and my children right now, certainly a dream come true. And thank God for when you have dreams and, and you put some work to it and God sees fit to bless, right? And so we see this in, in Joseph. It's, it's an odd dream, but it's something that's going to come true, but something that he had to pass some tests for. And so I'd like to consider a few things about Joseph's life. When he has these dreams, We he has these initial dreams, he's 17 years old. So obviously at 17, hey, when you're 17, 18, I mean, you feel like you're all grown up and you've got it figured out, right? We all felt like it, right? On this side of it now, we realize, man, we had a lot to learn, Right? And so maybe when you're 17, you shouldn't share all your dreams with everybody. Because all of us, we just have weird, literal dreams, right? We're not talking about ambitions, just stuff that comes in the night. You've had pizza too late, right? And you, you've, you, you, ever, you have dreams. Um, I had a recurring dream as a child that I, that I felt like I was walking through a cartoon in dark through, a, a, through an alley or something, and then eyes eyeballs would pop out. Like, that had nothing... I didn't need to share that with you, but uh, but that I just had this recurring dream, and 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 it still stands out to me. I remember things like that, right? And then even hey, right now. As an adult, I remember there was one election cycle. And remember when Kerry was running for president? And there was this, uh, um, I don't know if it was a controversy about him. Uh, I, I believe he was a combat veteran from Vietnam and he was on a fast boat or something shooting, you know, I think it was a gunner or he claimed to be or something like that. I remember having a dream that I was, I mean, just that dream got into my mind. And I remember having a dream one time that I was just a, a gunner on a fast boat in Vietnam. I mean, these things can just. Fill our brains right and we don't necessarily have to share it especially in public like I just did right now right Joseph shares these things they are going to come true but there are some tests that he has to pass first Joseph is resented by his brothers why first of all because he is his parents favorite right and and let's be real as parents our, our kids probably take turns as favorites or in the doghouse right and that right now, this this stage in our life, my kids are 18 and above. You know, they're 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 grown and growing, and, and they've got jobs and they've got money. And so my favorite, whoever who's, has brought me the donut, the donut the, le- the last, right? That's my either you're my favorite right there. Or whoever put away all their socks, right? Or put away put put the cups. You know, there's there's just cups everywhere in our house. Goodness gracious, right? Just put cups away, right? Even, I'm sorry, my kids are wonderful, and. Um, and it just, you know, you know how it is, right? Um, so sometimes our, our, our kids are, are human. Their, their human nature comes out, right? And, uh, but Joseph was just the absolute favorite of his parents and his, his siblings resented it. And so that brings us to, his, fir- to the, his first test, which is the isolation test. We'll call it the isolation test. If you're there in Genesis 37, verse number three says this. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Ever be so bothered by somebody's presence that you couldn't even bring yourself to talk to them. I mean, just so bothered by them, so resentful of them. And this is what Joseph had to live with his own siblings. They were so bothered and so resentful of him that they couldn't bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. He was living a lonely life just in his own family. He is an outcast. This is even before he shares his dream with them, but because of this weird dynamic in his family. The isolation test. I'll ask this question. Of myself how will I handle being in the minority how will I handle being in the minority folks do you understand God's people have never been a majority and now certainly, of course, there's always regions of the world where, uh, where, where maybe there are, there's a bigger population of, of Christians, but as far as the grand scheme of history, God's people have never been a majority. But throughout history, even when God's people were outnumbered, God's people, the Christianity's influence has been pretty strong, even when outnumbered. Why? Because God's people were active and vocal. When you think about it, um, you just think about the LGBTQ plus movement, right? They are a small minuscule percentage of our country's population, but they feel big, right? Why? Because they're loud, because they're active, they're not a majority numbers-wise but they've got incredible power and influence over our society because they are loud and they are active. Now, God's people, were not a majority. We're not, but we could be loud and we can be active. I'm not talking about being offensive, but actually people knowing what we stand for and living for it and living the truth. My wife and I, we like to go into uh, uh, West uh, West LA and in West LA, there's uh, there's a lot of good donuts there, but uh, but in particular, there's the LA Farmers Market. Who've ever been there? Wonderful foodie par- paradise, and uh, it, it's attached to the Grove Shopping Center, and and uh, where uh, people watching is pretty interesting. You'll you'll run into movie stars, and uh, I mean we we've seen a couple. I don't know for some reason one stands out, Mario Lopez stands out to me because he's a Chargers fan, and uh, and so we remember seeing Mario Lopez there, and but anyways we would go into the uh, to the L.A. Farmer's Market and just hang out and, and just enjoy the food and enjoy the day there. And, and typically that would be midweek. Being in ministry, my day off was typically midweek. I remember one time, for whatever reason, we were there on a Friday. It, very rare for us to be able to go out on a Friday. We were there all day and all of a sudden, what we would no- notice in West L.A., there's a large Jewish population. And, uh, and they dress a certain way. There's different kinds of Jews, obviously. You've got some of the more old school Jews, and they've got the little hair thing coming down here, and they're wearing the, uh, you know, the, the yarmulke. They just do different things, and, and they just dress a certain way. Then there's a little bit more modern uh, version of, uh, um, of Jews, and they dress, I guess, a lot like we would at, at church, just a little bit more modern but, and, and classy, but, but different, uh, different from the world and, and, and not immodest or anything, but, but they would look nice. And, and you would see them all over, all over the place. But come Friday in the evening, they all disappeared. There was less people. You didn't see the little hair things anywhere. You didn't see the yarmulkes. You didn't see the, the, the modest, nice clothing. You, 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 didn't, you didn't see any of that. Why? Because their Sabbath began. And it completely changed the region. You see them in the daytime all over. They dress a certain way. It it, it completely impacts West LA, but then that certain time, Friday and Saturday, you won't see them anywhere. Why? Because they're actually living what they believe and you see it and you feel it and it's all over the Fairfax district of West Los Angeles. What kind of impact has Christianity had on our region? What kind of impact have we as a church and, and just we as God's people have had on our region, our country? We are a minority. Hey, how will we react when we're in the minority? Young people, you think about, hey, you're blessed to be part of a youth group and, and, and many of you are going to camp and, and I encourage you, parents, make sure your your kids get to camp. It could be a, a life-changing experience to be away from the distractions of the world and, and, and it's great to be a part of a of of an an amoeba a church youth group family into where you're uh, you're all trying to go a certain direction and and God's speaking to you all at once and you all start to get fired up for God and and it's an exciting thing but some of you all are gonna start to move on to different places and go to college and, and and different things and and you won't have that dynamic of having this whole big organism around you to pump you up how will you react when you're sticking out truly like a sore thumb Moms, dads, parents, and you go into your workplace and praise God, thank, thank God that we could come to church and, and we could fellowship and be around family and, and just be around people who, who think alike. And it's certainly refreshing, but then you have to go into your workplace and you might be the only believer there. And I know it can be draining. I know it can be draining. But what kind of influence do we have? And I'm not saying we go in there and and. and and get up on a soapbox on the in the break room or anything, but just with one life at a time, one life at a time, making an impact. And there will be many times, you, most times in our lives, away from this place, we are the minority. And how will you react? And so, even Joseph, in the very beginning, we see here in the story, man, he's by himself. He's by himself. He's got some learning to do. But then things get even worse with his siblings which brings us to the next test which is the the integrity test the integrity test so Joseph's brothers hate him so badly that they conspire to kill him one brother says no we can't kill him he's our flesh and blood let's they they take away his coat of many colors they put him in a pit and then all of a sudden they have opportunity to sell him into slavery and they do so and Joseph is literally sold as a slave wow I mean, he was certainly maybe a little bit immature, but he didn't deserve that, right? Sold into a slave, and he ends up in the household of a man by the name of Potiphar. Go to chapter 39 now. Chapter 39, I'd like to read in verse number 3. And his master, Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. You know, as as believers, wherever we end up, we we should stand out in good ways like this, right? Wherever you work should be the best worker there, amen? God's people should be a great testimony. We shouldn't be known for laziness or anything or just trying to get by or mediocrity. Wherever God has you in life, excel and be the very best that you can be for God. And and that's what Joseph was, verse number four. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. Not a bad life actually for a slave, So he's sold into slavery, ends up in Potiphar's house, but he is such a great man that Potiphar takes notice and Joseph ends up being a leader in his house. Not a bad gig for a slave, but things go bad because of one person and that's Potiphar's wife. You probably know the story. Look at verse number seven. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me, but he refused. And said unto his master's wife, behold, my master wadeth not what is with me in the house and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Look, here's integrity. Here's character. Joseph's concern was not getting caught. That, that, That wasn't his concern, that he would get caught by Potiphar. His concern was sinning against God. That's character. That's integrity. And so the integrity test. Will I obey God when nobody is watching? Will I obey God when nobody's watching? Aside from Potiphar, nobody's higher in the household. Joseph could have gotten away from that, Gotten gotten away with this thing, verse number eight, verse number ten. And it came to pass as he spake as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And so this didn't just come one time. Day by day, the pressure was on. Every single day, she's trying to reduce him, seduce him, and she and he refuses every single time. Verse number 11, and it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within, and she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, and he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. He got out of there so quickly as she grabbed him that he ended up, she ended up with his coat. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 11, 3 says this, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. I think when we think of guidance in our lives obviously we think of getting godly counsel and certainly that's important And looking into the word of God and prayer and where we need guidance and direction from God but let's not forget the Bible says this just having integrity will help guide our lives it's having integrity doing what's right no matter who's looking no matter who's looking always remembering that God is looking that God is looking and it's that integrity that will guide us through life the integrity test he passed it he passed it and that's pressure day by day by day a young man probably still a teenager and he refuses this so he's falsely accused and he ends up in prison which brings us to the next test the suffering test the suffering test You're there in chapter 39 look at verse number 20 And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So here's this young man, a man of great integrity. He becomes a leader as a slave in Potiphar's house, gets falsely accused, did nothing wrong, ends up in prison, and then becomes a leader there as well. The Lord's still with him. He's still serving God, still keeping his focus on God. The suffering test. Will I lose my faith when the pressure's on? Will I lose my faith when the pressure's on? Folks, it's, it's easy. There's a great old song, right? Life is easy when we're up on the mountain, Right? And we love those times, and, and I certainly, I appreciate Brother Jay Shainer's messages on, on the mountains of life, right? And thank God for those moments when, when we can be on the mountaintops, and, and, and you never, you, you, don't, you just don't want to leave those, those mountaintops, right? Those, you young people who've been to camp, you understand what it's like. You get to Friday, Saturday, and, and you just don't want it to end. Why? Because You just get this sense that you're close to God and and you've been under preaching for uh, all week and you've been doing devotions and around godly people and good music and you just don't want it to end. Even the disciples, when they had opportunity to be uh, on the mountaintop with Jesus Christ, they said, it's good for us to be here. Let's just build a couple tabernacles and let's just stay here, Lord. But Jesus said, no, we can't stay here on the mountaintop because there's some work to do down there. And it's down there in the valley where a lot of stuff gets done for Jesus and for the kingdom of God. And thank God for those mountaintops and where we get refreshed and we get a little extra measure of grace and we, get a, we do some learning and, and we get closer to Jesus, but we always have to go down there and do some trudging in the plains and sometimes we have to spend some time in the valleys where we suffer and we're treated unjustly and we're treated unfairly and here's Joseph. He did nothing wrong and here he is in prison and still serving and doing right. And when those deep, painful moments come and you did nothing wrong and you can't figure out what God's doing how will your faith be in God still when the pressure is on the suffering test the suffering test folks would you understand would you remember this and I know it could be I I tell people with our our, my mental health ministry the climb that it, it could be intimidating Working with people and trying to support people who are suffering with depression and anxiety. It's very intimidating, right? Now, if you have the patience and the grace for it, you should run to people who are hurting and heartbroken. Why? Because the Bible tells us that God is near to those who are brokenhearted. You find some people they're hurting, one thing you know, God is near them. And I don't want to be around that. It could be a messy process, but I know because the Bible tells me that when my heart's broken, God is near. And when we're suffering, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. So that's why we, we, we can't be governed by our feelings. We need to be governed by truth and know this truth when you're suffering and you're hurting. God promises that he is near. He is close to the brokenhearted. It won't feel like it, but our feelings don't change that wonderful truth how will i will i lose my faith when the pressure's on the suffering test so it turns out he's sitting in prison he becomes a leader there and two of pharaoh's support staff a butler and a baker they offend pharaoh we don't know exactly what they did but they end up in prison as well which brings us to the next test the selfish test the selfish test chapter 40 chapter 40 would you look at verse number five John forty. flip on over or scroll over to it. Amen. Verse number 5 says, And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. Verse 6, And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today. Now think about that. Seems insignificant, but that's remarkable to me. Joseph is sitting an innocent man in prison. And here are two guys, probably not innocent, and they're sad. And Joseph cares. That's a really good thing. Because it's so easy to get so wrapped up in our own pain that we forget to look around us and notice the pain of other people. Just be careful with that. And so don't get me wrong. When you're hurting, reach out for help. I promise you, in your church family, people wanna help you. People wanna pray for you and with you. People want to be there for you and sit with your pain and just be there with you. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, don't lose sight of our responsibility as God's people, really, in every season in life, even when we're hurting, to be aware of other people around us, and don't forget the self—the selfish test. When times are tough, will I only look out for myself? Huh? When times are tough, will I only look out for myself? Joseph, if anybody could have just been sitting in prison complaining, complaining. and and laughing at other people, right? I mean, he could have. On a human level, none of us would have judged Joseph for that because he's innocent. These guys did something wrong, and they're sad? Joseph has every right to be sad, but he has a concern for other people's pain. So they share why they're sad. They have these crazy dreams, right? One guy, the butler, has a dream about grapes and grapes getting squashed right the baker has a dream about baskets being on his head and birds coming and eating the stuff off of the top basket right they don't know what it's all about it's just a weird dream and they're sad about it joseph interprets the dream he tells mr baker okay the grapes and i i don't know how he gets it from it but he's right right mr uh, mr., mr mr butler <clears throat> that means you will be free you'll be a free man in just a few days wow okay and then you could you imagine being the baker it's like wow that's good news. Wow, okay, well, how about my dream? Okay, baskets, there's stuff in the basket. Birds come and eat it. Um, yeah, dude, you're dead. <laughs> you're dead meat. Oh, it comes to pass. In just a few days, the butler's free. He's restored to his position there with the Pharaoh. And in just a couple days, the baker is dead meat. When the butler is freed, gets out of prison, Joseph tells him, just begs him almost. It seems like it to me. I have the sense that he begs him. Hey, don't forget me. Please remember me. Please remember what I did for you, right? Which brings us to the next test. Number five, the forgotten test. The forgotten test. You're there in chapter 40, right? Look at verse number 20. Verse number 20. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief butler into his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. He says, man, hey, congrats, man. I'm so happy for you, man. I'm so glad that, yeah, wasn't I right? Those, those crushed grapes, yeah, man, you're free. Look at you, you're going free. Man, when you're out there in the real world, man, don't forget me, man. Don't forget, put in a good word for me. The Bible says the chief butler totally forgot about him. You know, ideally, all of us, We serve, do things around the church, serve other people, put ourselves out for other people. We sacrifice for people in the church. And if we get no recognition, it doesn't matter because we know that God saw, right? Ideally, but we're human. And so we very seldom work in the world of ideals, right? And so we crave recognition, right? It's nice when somebody says thank you somebody notices right since my kids have been back um, from college and they've been singing and serving and and people come up nonstop. oh your kids sing so beautifully wow they're such good singers and and man I'm like well, what about me <laughs> I sing too of course I, have, I haven't been that way I promise I, I love it I love it um, they're finally going to let me sing and have a solo this Sunday be there for it All right? <laughs> <laughs> kidding I do, I love it. But human nature craves some recognition, right? Human nature craves some recognition. And then so we know that as leaders, and so we try to do our best to say thank you, send a thank you note, right? Recognize people, but also because of human nature, we forget, right? And so when that happens and you're teaching that Sunday school class and nobody says thank you, you gonna be all right? And thank you so much for teaching. You've been serving in the nursery or the threes and fours, whatever, whatever age. I did that one time in my life, one time, never again, not my thing, all right? Not my gift. I wanted to fight children, Right? It's just not my thing, just being real, all right? I didn't, I didn't fight any children, but I wanted to, right? <laughs> all right. and so God bless, honestly, you, 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 you take care of that age, thank you. But, you know, you go a few months and nobody recognizes you, you're gonna be all right. You go, you work that bus route, and you get up a little earlier than everybody, you're out later than everybody, and honestly, thank God for you. Thank God I've seen lives changed by the bus ministry. I've seen lives changed, and nobody writes you a thank you note. You're gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. Right? You've been serving for years, for decades, and, and you don't get any recognition for it. And we'll try. But sometimes we're gonna, it's going to be overlooked. You're going to be okay. The forgotten test. How will I react when nobody notices my work? Hmm. How will I react? Hey, we, we will not be what God wants us to be if that's what we crave, if that's what we need, is other people's recognition. Because ultimately it's about him, right? It's all about him, ultimately. And yes, we should encourage one another. We need to do those things. We should compliment and be grateful and thankful. But we'll forget. And how will you react when that recognition doesn't come? The forgotten test. And so soon after, Pharaoh has an odd dream. And his dream There's corn and there's cows and there's cows eating cows and just crazy stuff, right? And so he gets, he talks to his regular interpreters and they don't have any answers. And then all of a sudden, finally, Butler's like, oh, man, I forgot to tell you. There's this guy, Joseph, in prison. Man, I had a dream about grapes that got squished. And he told me, hey, talk to Joseph. Finally, he remembers Joseph. Joseph pulled Joseph out of prison. Pharaoh explains to his dream. Joseph nails it. Famine's coming. I mean, there's going to be plenty for a little while, so we need to not just waste it, put a whole bunch of stuff in savings, right, and in storehouses because famine's coming and we need to um, use our, all our overstock, right, and, and save that for the famine time. And literally, Joseph's plan rescues Egypt. It's amazing. He's actually still a fairly young man, probably about 30, 30 years old. And so he's immediately thrust into this leadership role, Which brings us to test number six, and I only have one more after this the pride test. The pride test. Chapter 41. Would you swipe up to there? Chapter 41, verse number 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily, this is verse number 14, out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. They let him get cleaned up. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream. And there's none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh. Remember, he's been forgotten all this time. Probably about two years is what scholars think. Saying, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Wow. Right away, Joseph understands. Man, this is all about what God is doing through me pride test he's thrust into leadership at a fairly young age and you understand power with pride is a scary thing right power with pride is a scary scary thing and so there had to be a humbling process for joseph hey remember at 17 years old yeah he's a little bit immature right maybe there's some pride involved as well i mean he's the favorite and he felt like, hey, man, I had this great dream. Man, I had this dream that, uh, that your sheaves by, bowed down to me, and, and then the, the, the sun and the moon and stars, they bowed down to me. Isn't that great? Y'all are going to bow down to me someday. I mean, there's just, man, kid, chill out. He had some growing up to do. There had to be some pruning and, and some humility that needed to be created within him. But here's the thing about the process of humility. It's painful. But a lot of times God is setting us up for some greater influence for him. But when we have that kind of influence or power and we have pride, we become dangerous people. We become hurtful people. And so there had to be a humbling process for Joseph. And we just saw this process. It's terrible. His brothers hate him. They sell him into slavery. He's falsely accused of rape. He spends two years in prison as an innocent man and then he's completely forgotten in prison. What is this? As Janine and Asia sang Sunday, it's the refiner's fire, right? It's the refiner's fire. This process of humbling to finally bring him to this place where he can be thrust into a place of power and influence and not abuse it, not hurt people with it, not use it for his own selfish gain but to use his power and influence properly there had to be a humbling in this we see him pass the pride test but he was set up for it and so what we need to see these really fiery seasons in our lives these painful seasons in our lives is God possibly setting us up for something greater But if there's some things in there, some impurities, so to speak, right, that needs to be brought to the surface by the refiner's fire so that at the end of that fire, we come out shining like gold so that we can be used properly by God and do some great things for God without being beset by the sin of pride, the pride test, which brings us to the final test and which I would believe is probably the most important test, and that's the bitterness test. The bitterness test. So Joseph literally saves Egypt. His plan was amazing, and now when they get into this season of famine, they're still doing well. And all the outlying areas they're suffering. His family happens to be in these outlying area, and they're starving. They come up with this plan to go into Egypt. They don't know that brother Joseph is there, as Pharaoh's right hand man, his number one, right. They don't know that, but they decide to take a chance, go into town, so to speak, and beg for help. They go into town. All of a sudden, they're standing before Joseph. They don't recognize him. He recognizes them, sends them away, make a long story short. They come back, right? And then Joseph finally reveals himself to them. And you know what it would be like. Come on, you're the sibling that messed with him. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, right? It's Joseph. We are dead meat. Chapter 50. Chapter 50. We're done here. Chapter 50. And look with me, if you will, at verse number 18. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we be thy servants. They're fearing they're in big trouble now, right? Because Joseph is certainly going to get his vengeance. Right? On a human level, I don't think I would judge Joseph right? I mean, he went through some terrible stuff, and here's his opportunity to get him back, right? And they know this, so they beg for their lives, basically, and make themselves his servants. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now he acknowledged, Yeah, you meant this for evil, no doubt. That was messed up, right? But God, he allowed it, he allowed it, and he meant it for good. And it took that to get me to this, to to jumpstart this process of humbling, to prepare him to be in this place of great power and influence to save many people the bitterness test. Will I mistreat people because I have been mistreated? Will I mistreat people because I have been mistreated? And I I'm not talking, about. the question is, will I mistreat the people who mistreated me? You understand, bitterness is such an ugly thing that bitter people, typically they're not just bad at the people that hurt them. They tend to be really bad to people in general. And I know, understand it comes from a, pace of, a place of pain often, But bitterness is terrible poison. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy you. Will I mistreat people? Will I just be a bad, angry person because I have been mistreated? Bitterness. Let me just give you this thought. Chew on this. It's what you choose to forget rather than what you remember that keeps you from bitterness. It's what you choose to forget rather than what you remember that keeps you from bitterness. Joseph could have held that to their account. When he said, am I in the place of God? He said, God will take care of that. But what I do know is God has been in control this whole time. Even when they threw him in that pit, God was still in control. And God was bringing to pass this incredible plan to use Joseph in an amazing way joseph's seven tests folks we're all going to get tested in life right just think of them as prerequisites prerequisites to get up to higher learning amen and just allow god to teach us through these things learn the lessons that we need to learn and just trust he is always in control and he's got something special over here something that we can't dream of but we need to go through this process and some of it is painful some of it is painful but you can, with God's grace, you can pass these tests. You can. You can. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.